back to Season 6 of Pastor Life Podcast, Holy Experiments, Strategy for Joining God's Mission in the World. I'm Rhonda Blevins. I'm a pastor at Chapel by the Sea in Clearwater Beach, Florida. And I'm David Brown. I'm the founding pastor of The Welcome Table in Rock Hill, South Carolina, and I'm a Pinnacle Associate. Welcome back to this season of Pastor Life, where we're doing some interesting and new things, right, Rhonda? That's right. I'm learning a lot from our presenter, which happens to be David Brown. Hey. Um, he is um, offering lots of information about strategy and, um, and how to use strategy as we lead our churches. Um, this is part of what he teaches in his class at Duke Divinity in the Doctor of Ministry program. And so we're getting to sit in on a little bit of this great content. And so we started off the season with a little bit of theory and theology. Uh, we've moved into practical models for how, for how to lead your people in strategic thinking. And so, uh, so this week we're going to be learning about integrative thinking. And so I'm eager to get started in learning about this with you, David. Are you ready to go? Yeah, let's do it. So integrative thinking, um, tell us what this is uh, from a 30,000 foot view, and then we'll get into the nitty gritty. Sure. So we'll start by asking everybody to, to hold up their hand and look at it. Uh, so if you're okay. listening this or way, watching in, uh, okay. hold up your hand. Um, you have four of these things and one of these things on it. Uh, for right. the pod listeners, that's four fingers and a thumb. And one of the unique things about human beings and some other primates is that we have an opposable thumb, a thumb mm. that can push back against the other fingers on our hand. Right. And uh, that gives us the ability to do all sorts of things that other parts of the animal world cannot do. Um, well, the thinking behind integrative thinking is that we also have opposable minds. Mm. And Roger Martin wrote a book called That Very Thing, The Opposable Mind. And that's sort of the root of this approach to uh, creative thinking. Um, so if we have opposable minds, that means that human beings, we are capable of holding intention to opposing ideas or models. Mm -hmm. And what Martin would say is that when we take advantage of that skill, we can hold together two models or ideas that are intention long enough that something new and creative is generated out of that tension. That's, well, it's fascinating. And it's something I've been uh, studying a lot over the past couple of years um, with a different framework, which is called spiral dynamics. And maybe we'll do yeah. a season on spiral yeah. dynamics right. here on the pod, but um, it's second tier. It's called, in spiral dynamics, it's called second tier thinking. Yeah, and this ability to hold uh, multiple ideas in tension, non-dualistic thinking—it's yeah. all connected, right? Yeah, I think um, you know all through this series we've talked about things that we can learn from models that have developed in the business world or the management mm -hmm. world, and how do we kind of engage with them theologically? And there are certain things that our the theology will bring to bear, and there's certain sort of underlying theology that I think while it wouldn't be expressed by Roger Martin and some of these other folks that we're talking about, um, it's maybe a testimony to the fact that there's an sort of an embedded order to, to this world we live in 
that we believe right. a creator um, put into place, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you kind of started with evolutionary biology with the opposable thumbs um, in spiral dynamics and perhaps integrative thinking. If once you teach us more, it's evolutionary psychology. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a great um, way. Second tier thinking. Yeah. yeah, that's that's more your realm than mine. And so uh, you could probably teach me some things in that. But I think that that seems right to me. Um, I think okay. that clearly we as human beings don't always live into this ability. Um, hmm. You know, we don't always live into our ability to hold two ideas in tension until something creative and new emerges. Um, but we, I think, do have the ability. And we can maybe even train ourselves to do it more naturally uh, over time. I think the, the thing that we maybe have become accustomed to in many areas of life is just choosing from among the options that are in front of us. Mm -hmm. Win-lose model, right? Yeah. This idea wins and these ideas lose. And these ideas lose. Yeah. Or when it comes to simpler decisions in life, it may just be quicker and easier to choose yeah, sure. from among the options that are in front of us. But I think certain difficult situations or problems or maybe controversial issues uh, are really where this idea of using our opposable minds and mm -hmm. holding these two opposing solutions and tension could really help us. Yeah. 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 There's also, um, and maybe this is maybe this is from him, but third way thinking is that yeah, I don't, his? Is I don't that... think it's necessarily okay. Roger right. Martin, but I I know that's something that you'll hear you know people talk about in theological circles too. You know of yeah, sure. uh, Jesus creating a third way, or you know maybe as Christians that's something that we're encouraged to do. Well. Um, uh, Cynthia Bourgeau has a book called the, the Holy Trinity and the Law of Three. Um, and, you know, you've got a, a, a denying reality and affirming reality. And then the third way is the reconciling. Mm. Um, hmm. and, it, and it's Trinitarian. It's a Trinitarian yeah. idea. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, we're, we're yeah. getting out there. Woo, woo, woo. Yeah, no, we've got some. <laughs> uh, so but I, there's I, probably... Uh, there's probably a, a more practical application than the the theory we're talking about right now. <laughs> I, I mean, I think it's important to to think about all of this just because this is sort of the higher level of of what we're going to be diving into a real practical method for trying this. Um, but I think okay. it's important for us to think about, you know, how might this be a faithful way for pastors, church leaders to guide congregations through difficult um, circumstances, um, through wicked problems that don't seem to have a straightforward solution, um, or, or maybe a difficult problem where different stakeholders are really divided. You know, there are sort of divided oppositional approaches to a particular question yeah. or maybe a sticky theological topic. And probably, I mean, ministry can be challenging. Ministry is almost always challenging in the midst of these really wicked problems. So yep. uh, this this is a, a ministry you're offering to pastors in the middle of that. Yeah. All right. So you got some practical application for us? 
Yeah. So um, there's a, a, a great book that will drop in the toolkit and also in the in the notes below. And a lot of what I'm going to talk about here um, for the rest of this session will be from this book called Creating Great Choices um, by Roger Martin okay. and Jennifer Riel. And uh, basically the book is a framework for doing just that, creating great choices. And uh, you right. see how that sounds differently than choosing from among the available options, right? Creating great <laughs> right. choices yes. is, uh, is something different than choosing from the available options. So they really talk about four different steps in this integrative thinking process. And so I think I'll just sort of walk us through those four different steps and we'll see what conversations emerge. All right. Okay. Sounds great. So step one is articulating opposing models, mm -hmm. articulating opposing models. So this is really the step where we want to make sure that everyone who's participating in this process is clear on what the problem is. and where we begin to develop two extreme and opposing models that might provide a solution to the problem. Hmm. So I think with any good problem solving process, that beginning piece, what is the actual problem that we're dealing with here? Um, getting yeah. clarity on that and maybe framing it as a, how might we question? You know, we talked about this in the last mm -hmm. session that how might we question sort of invite conversation rather than, um, you know, shut down or limit. So, you know, mm -hmm. maybe articulating the problem with a how might we, um, how might we move forward with this tricky situation that we're facing? You know, we could maybe, and maybe as we go, we'll provide some more meat or examples um, to this. Okay. Yeah. But articulating the problem and then, Together, whoever is participating in the process, um, beginning to think about the two most diametrically opposed ways that you could address this problem. Almost this creating. Is, step, is this step two? This is still the first step. So this is okay. so. So the first step would be to articulate the opposing models, and mm -hmm. so so maybe step one A is make sure we're talking okay. about the same problem. Um, and and then articulating the two opposing models would be almost creating a caricature of, of the two different models. Um, mm, okay. Like when we were talking about this um, in prepping for the episode, we talked about, you know, a, a congregation with a, a building that is in disrepair mm -hmm. and the, the challenge is, do we tear it down and um, sell the property and, and move out from the center of the city? Or do we undergo a massive capital campaign to restore the building to what it once was? Mm -hmm. and, and so you can sort of see those as two diametrically opposed models. You can't do both of them. And they might both have their advantages or their disadvantages, right? Mm -hmm. right. And so you would want to take some time to even push those models further apart. How could you make them the most extreme versions of a solution? So that you've got the two things that you're going to then hold in tension as we move forward. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So really getting clarity on what the problem is. Yes. Um, 
Yeah. So you and I have been a part of an organization that was wrestling with LGBTQ, like I guess most of our denominational entities have. And so, all right, most clarity, we're going to ordain clergy or we're not. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and those right. are the two options that seem to be available in front of us, right? right. Okay. And so, I mean, LGBTQ clergy, we're going to yeah. ordain LGBTQ clergy or we're not. Yep. Okay. And, and it seems like the way that our larger cultural world is, and, and maybe there's just something about the default mode that we human beings go into that is, is sort of either this or that. Right. And so I think this is an opportunity or a model that, that helps us to get beyond and either this or that, and you win and you lose. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. so, so that first step with getting the problem uh, in focus and then beginning to develop these two opposing solutions, you know, that's what Martin and Riel would say is, is step one. Okay, good. All right, I'm ready. All right. Step so two? step two would be to engage these models and examine them a little more deeply. Okay. So in 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 this stage, you're going to really begin holding those two models in tension. Mm -hmm. um, you're going to be looking at, you know, are there anything, uh, any qualities of these two solutions that they hold in common? Um, if you've really set them up to be oppositional, there's not going to probably be a lot that is held in common. Uh, but also, what do we notice that is different? You know, what okay. distinguishes mm -hmm. each of these approaches from the other? And then kind of the next step is to consider, or not the next step, but the, the next part of this step is to consider to what- To A. <laughs> to, to A and to B. Okay. Um, and, and we'll, again, in the show notes and in the toolkit, we'll map all of these out um, for people to be able to dive deeper okay. on. Yeah. But- in this step where we're examining the two models, I think it's really um, important to be as open-minded as possible and as, uh, as appreciative of the model that we don't necessarily resonate with as we're mm -hmm. moving through this second phase. So That's we where want I can to see give, it getting bogged down. Yeah, right? we want to give the benefit of the doubt to... Yeah the model that we don't resonate most easily with. And mm -hmm. with both models, we want to try to get to the core of what's valuable about each. Mm -hmm. what, okay. What's at the heart that would be beneficial about each model? Because it seems like there are certain people who value each of those models. Mm -hmm. And so what we want to do is, is to to learn what might be a valuable, successful um, a part of that approach. And so a lot of times, you know, when, when we're facing a difficult decision, I know I, I used to, to make a, a pro-con list, you know, where mm -hmm, you divide yeah. the paper up and you've got the pros and the cons. Well, for this, what we would encourage somebody to do is to make a pro-pro list. And so you would actually divide your sheet and have one opposing solution on the top left and one opposing solution uh -huh. on the top right. And then below them, you would write only prose for each of the models Okay. as an exercise to dive in deeper to, you know, 
in my example from the first part, you know, what are the pros of selling off our downtown property, which has a high retail value, you know, in the real mm -hmm. estate market and then moving out and building just what we need for the size congregation we are. So what are the pros of that? And then what are the pros of huge capital campaign, you know, maybe, um, you know, uh, doing everything we know how to restore the building to what it once was. Um, right. So what are all the pros of that? Um, you know, and, and, and so as people who resonate with one or the other, they begin to maybe appreciate um, the positives from the opposite model in the right. step. Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, so in the example I gave of LGBTQ clergy, yeah. Um, even those opposed to the idea theologically or biblically, they find opposition to it, could say, well, it would increase our clergy pool if we were yeah, to do this. Right? Sure. Right. Like, right. It's hard to disagree with that. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think this is an opportunity where if it really is a divisive or contentious issue, this is probably a stage of the process that you need to, to stick with for a little while. Mm, okay. I mm -hmm. think it can be possible to move on beyond the stage before everyone in the room has realized that there are at least some nuggets of value in both of the opposing models. Mm -hmm. uh, because what we're hopeful for is that in stage three and four, we begin to to use some of the things that are great about both models, but are not wholly satisfying or sufficient in themselves. We're okay. using those things to then build and create our third option, our better way, you know, our third way. Right. Okay. Okay. Right, so yeah. camp out here, spend plenty of time mm -hmm. exploring the options, learning to love even the one that you first off were resistant to. Okay. Mm -hmm. For some reason, you know, you don't have to love the whole thing, but, but there ought to be something you can find some kernel within each model that hopefully you can find, um, beneficial. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's what we're looking for in this stage. And, and I think it's always a good idea at this stage too, uh, to, to, to take a step back and maybe as you're examining the two models, maybe something comes to mind or comes to light that redefines the problem and we actually back up to to phase one and then move our way back in. So I think okay. this is probably that time where if we realize we're solving a problem that's not the real problem, you know, take the opportunity to go back and make sure we're all on the same page with, with the problem okay. and then come, come back. Hmm. All right. Okay. So stage three, move step on three. to that one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm ready. So step three is about generating new possibilities. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take the pro pro list. We're going to take our interrogation of both of these two opposing models and the things that we have learned to appreciate from both. And we're going to try to find a pathway forward that resolves the tension between the two and builds off some of the great things that are a part of each. Um, Martin and Riel talk about three pathways that have 
consistently emerged in their work with organizations. So okay. uh, I'll, I'll tell you each of the three, and then we'll kind of break them down a little bit. So they talk about the hidden gem pathway. They talk about the double down pathway, and they okay. talk about the decomposition pathway. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we'll start with the hidden gem. So in the hidden gem, what's going to happen is that in one of the models, you're going to find a, a piece that is great. Uh, it's, it's a piece of that model that you really want, but you don't necessarily like the baggage that comes with it. You don't really like all the other pieces of that solution. So okay. if we're assuming that neither of the two models is sufficient in and of itself, then what we're looking for in the hidden gem is one piece of this model maybe the the best piece of this model and the best piece of this model. And we want to combine them in a creative new way and mm -hmm. begin building around the hidden gems. So if I were thinking about the building decision, mm -hmm. um, then maybe the hidden gem of the sell it off and rebuild somewhere else would be that it 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 is a way of solving some of the financial difficulties of the existing situation mm -hmm. it gives us some cash available and a fresh start on a church facility that's more like what we need for this time okay okay so maybe the model of the capital campaign um, the hidden gem in it is, you know, preserving sacred space in the growing downtown, mm -hmm. you know, so, so you've got these two things, you've got the infusion of cash and you've got preserving sacred space in a revitalizing downtown. Is there some way that we could take the hidden gem from both and merge them and build around the two of them? Okay. So I know a congregation who did something like this, where they sold off part of their property and were intentional about how they partnered with developers in a revitalizing downtown. Okay, it gave yeah. them a cash infusion to then do the necessary repairs and preservation of kind of the sacred historical parts of their building that they were most using anyway. Right. Okay. So they found this third way, this hidden gem that was not either or, but sort of a, a merging of the ideas. Yeah. A merger okay. between yeah. the two. And it was, mm -hmm. and it, and it began from taking the best piece of the two, the hidden yeah. gems and building around the hidden gems. Okay. So the double down is a little different. And mm -hmm. uh, so I'll kind of describe it and we'll see if I, you know, I, I, I don't, have a ready model or a situation on hand. So maybe we'll come up with one. Maybe. Um, All right. So the double down is when you feel like one model is very good. It's, it's clearly better than the other, but it doesn't quite accomplish all that we want it to. Okay. And there's this one thing about the other model that we wish we could have in model A. One thing from model B that we wish we could have in model A. 
Mm-hmm. And so the double down would say, is there a way that we could double down on model A and push that model even harder to the point where that one quality from model B becomes available to us through model A? Okay. It's a little confusing. There's a great illustration in the book that I'll just kind of touch on briefly, and then you can see if it spurs something for you. Okay. Yeah. So there was a Toronto Film Festival, which still exists. Um, so the Toronto Film Festival, um, which was sort of a people's choice kind of film festival. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, different from the Cannes Film Festival, you know, that's really an industry sort yeah. of festival. And so the directors of the Toronto Film Festival were trying to figure out a way to make it financially sustainable. Okay. It just wasn't. And so they were were trying to figure out what it was about the Cannes Film Festival that was, you know, that had made it uh, sort of a fixture of that industry for so long. And as they kind of thought through each of these opposing models, kind of the grassroots, people's choice, um, not extremely selective, you know, they showed hundreds of films as a part of the Toronto Festival, or the con, which was really exclusive, insider, created a lot of industry buzz. So what they figured out was we love our model. You know, this feels right. We don't want to be the exclusive insider model. What we want from Khan is the buzz. And the buzz we feel like is what would sustain us financially. And so they went all in on their model of being a grassroots, people's choice kind of festival. But they pushed it in certain ways to try to generate buzz And that eventually led to a People's Choice Award that actually has become, like in the movie industry, an an indicator, like an early indicator of some of the films that will be up for Academy Awards or Oscars or things like that. Okay. All right. So, So this one, you're taking a model that you really love a lot, but there's one thing that it just can't can't do. It's it's not financially sustainable or it's not whatever. And can we get one aspect of Model B to show up in the big constellation of Model A that will get us where we want to be? Okay. Yeah. I've got a church example, I think. Okay. You tell me if if it fits the model. So this dying church could either just disband and die and sell off their property and disband. Um, Or... They could be sort of taken over by a mega church and become a satellite campus. Okay. Right. Um, so what they did is they decided to be taken over right by this mega church and become a satellite campus. But in so doing, they got to keep their community together. Mm-hmm. They got to keep their space. Mm-hmm. Um, and all that they lost was their denominational identity. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, so is, they, that, is that they a were double able down? To, so did they feel like they were mostly able to keep sort of their character as a congregation? So they sort of doubled down on their own character of who they were as a congregation and found this one 
outside peace. Yeah. So they got to keep their location. They got to keep their community together. And what they lost was, like I said, their denomination. Yeah. Denominational connection. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't necessarily agree with what they just chose, but (laughs) but it It, was, uh, yeah. It seems like it was that sort of a calculation. Yeah. You know, there was, there was the decision, could we just not exist anymore? Or could we be taken over and, and really lose a lot of our character? You know, that would be the alternative to be taken over and lose our character. So maybe the idea of creating a great choice is how might we find a sustainable path forward, which includes kind of this financial stability or, or this affiliation, but still be able to maintain our character as a congregation. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And you can kind of see a lot of these may be difficult choices. Um, you know, they, they may mean kind of the life or death of a, of a, a, an organization or a community. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and and maybe it takes us getting to that point sometimes in order to be willing to in, engage in some sort of creative process like this. Yeah. We don't have kind of the community will when things are moving along fairly well. It's yeah. when we bump up against a really tough problem that we're almost, um, you know, compelled as a last resort to to do something like this right yeah so you know the the goal would be the goal would be that maybe we develop a sense of integrative thinking in our leadership um in our mindset the way we approach more everyday decisions when a church is very healthy Mm -hmm. so that we're constantly looking to create the next great choice even when we're not at a crisis moment yeah you know yeah um so the third of these um, possibilities for generating uh, a, a new path forward is called the decomposition. Mm-hmm. And, and really, this one comes into play when you're evaluating the two models and you realize, hey, the question we're trying to answer and the two models we're describing, we could actually break the problem up. We could decompose the problem. And we could address part of the problem with this solution and the other part with this solution. Okay. So you want to not think about this as a compromise between the two. What you're really doing is you're decomposing the problem and you're creating a great solution for each of the two parts. Um, so, So you're not kind of giving up these things in order to get this. It's not just sort of a whittling away of the two available choices. Okay. But it's actually kind of reframing the problem. In a sense, with this one, the other two, you are creating a great choice. In the third one, in decomposition, you're kind of creating a new problem that is solvable by the two opposing choices, if that makes sense. <laughs> okay. yeah. So I think to me, this one is, um, this one I, I feel like is, um, you know, probably a little less opposable thinking, um, but it, it still is, you know, I, I think this is one right. of the three pathways that, that real and Martin would, would lay out. Um, I'm thinking about the United Methodist church and had they chosen to stop being an ordaining body and allowing local churches to choose 
Oh yeah. How they ordained, they might have stayed together. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I and, know. and in a I sense, mean, that maybe that's simplified be, thinking, but yeah, but that that could be a way to think about dividing the problem. You right. know, um, you, you know, another way to think about this would be, um, you know, in an organizational or business model where there were um, this sort of a centralized agency, and maybe this works for denominations as well, like the example you're talking about, where you know a denomination is putting out material. Um, where in the old days, you know, all the Baptists looked to Nashville for right. their programming, right? And and then, you know, the opposite model from that would be, you know, the wild, wild west, which also can <laughs> can be a part of Baptist life too, right? Uh, every <laughs> right. autonomous congregation doing its own thing. So you could, could sort of think about, well, maybe we redefine the problem. And there are certain things, certain areas of church life where it's helpful and beneficial to be able to look toward a larger governing body. Mm -hmm. And then there are other parts of congregational life that we want to preserve autonomy at the local level. Right. So I think that is actually a good way to think about the decomposition. Okay. So so then the, the final step, step four. So we've got, um, you know, generating the two options, examining the two models, um, we've got, uh, creating a new choice, a new pathway forward, and then we've got prototypes and testing. So prototypes and testing is really where we, if we have figured out a hidden gem solution, or we have figured out a double down solution. Now we want to, to do maybe both some thought experiments and maybe some actual experiments to figure out how likely we think this new choice that we've generated is to succeed. And so this might be um, creating some sort of of prototype. This might be modeling um, the new choice for a Mm -hmm. period of time. Um, It might be just a thought experiment where you invite people to gather around this uh, potential choice and and imagine what it would look like to live it out in the life of okay. the, of yeah. the congregation. But in this step, we, we really want to try to concretely think about what this new possibility would look like if we began to implement it okay. and to, to think a couple steps down the road about what the consequences might be, the ones that we can anticipate or ones that, that, that maybe we wouldn't anticipate or how, different pieces of the puzzle are interrelated and will, um, you know, will uh, play off of one another as the the new pathway unfolds. And the thought would be that we want to try to get feedback as quickly as possible as we move down that road in case there's a course correction or in case we need to uh, abandon and restart the process. so prototypes and models, and, and, and there's some great ideas for how to do this um, that are also in the book. Uh, I think okay. with churches, you know, depending on what, what sort of problem you're trying to solve, this might be a, um, you know, a holy experiment that sort of happens on the side where you're mm-hmm. not kind of blowing everything up and creating something new. You're kind of testing it out on the side. This might be a pilot um, you know, hey, during during the course of the summer, we're going to try this new thing and figure yeah. out how it works for us and evaluate it later. Um, 
you know, there might be other ways to think about modeling or prototyping, um, storyboarding, you know, what, what does it look like for this story to unfold and, yeah, and what are yeah, some yeah. of the potential consequences that might happen down the road? And it, and it could be a, like a focus group, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So, um, so, you know, really that's kind of the four steps in this model, um, uh, for integrative thinking and, um, you know, I, I think if there's somebody out there who's listening or watching and um, there's a particularly tricky problem that they've been facing, uh, there's not a clear solution that seems satisfying to them. Um, here's a way to to maybe approach that problem in a different way. Yeah. Yeah, I can I can see some value in it for sure. Well, what other questions do you have, Rhonda, as we kind of wrap things up? I don't, I don't think I have any with integrative thinking. So um, design thinking is um, more thinking towards the end in mind, I guess. Integrative thinking is holding tension between yep. opposing ideas and finding yep. a third way. Um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm digging it. I'm digging it. I want to try them all on my congregation. So. <laughs> well, you will have to get a copy of the toolkit, which we're in the process <laughs> yes, of developing. Yes. And hopefully by the time people are watching these episodes or listening to the pod, that toolkit will be available to them through the website. Why don't you tell us where we can find that, David? Yeah, well, people can go to pinlead.com. That's P-I-N-N-L-E-A-D.com. To learn about all things Pinnacle, uh, but also including the Pastor Life podcast and this series that we're putting together and all the resources that go with it. Thanks for tuning in to season six of Pastor Life podcast, Holy Experiment Strategy for Joining God's Mission in the World. And now you can get back to joining God's mission in your own world.